Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning podcast. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall, and this isn't any old podcast. This is episode number 100, 100. Uh, I can't believe I've been doing this for almost two years now. And to celebrate, I've brought back my first guest and longtime friend, uh, Harris Goodman. Harris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am could not be more excited uh, to have hit this milestone. I never thought it would happen, especially in under two years. Um, and also, uh, I'm just really excited to have you back here. So for those in the audience that don't know, pause now, go back and listen to our first episode. We had no idea what we were doing back then. Uh, not that we have much of a better Do idea. Do we know now? Do we still uh, know? <laughs> probably not. And uh, I think this is probably your fourth time on. Uh, so uh, I like to get here on at least every six months or so. And goodness, how much things have changed, you know, from that first episode to today. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, uh, Harris is the general manager of content at GoGuardian um, as of last year. Uh, and he's also uh, a longtime EdTech investor. And I'll just go ahead and say it, a mover and shaker uh, in EdTech and has been for a long time. We met years and years ago as he was a co-founder of a company called Late Night Labs. And I was with a company called Sapling Learning that was up and coming and both were acquired by Macmillan New Ventures. And uh, we've been good friends ever since. So um, Harris, let's go ahead one final time and uh, just I'll let you introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you love about what you do in EdTech? Sure. So thanks, JW, again, and congratulations on episode 100. You know, the consistency and the quality of what you're putting out there to the world to help educate folks about education and our whole ecosystem is, is truly appreciated and very valuable. So thank you and congrats. Um, so I'm Harris Goodman. I've been in the wonderful world of ed tech and, you know, software developing solutions to help students and help teachers and families learn and grow um, students across, you know, as they say, cradle to grave. And I've been in this space now for 11 years, um, focusing on, you know, solving problems and, and an entrepreneurial spirit um, across, in my experiences, you know, K through 20 at this point. And it's been amazing. I, you know, since we spoke, um, I joined GoGuardian, which is, you know, pretty much one of the fastest growing education technology providers out there with a really strong emphasis around safety and security. And then in the last year or two, we really positioned the company to also focus on curriculum and instruction through two acquisitions and now three. Um, so our most recent one was TutorMe. We also acquired um, Edge Elastic and Pear Deck. Um, which are all really coveted and fun and and just really powerful uh, organizations that support our ecosystem. Uh, before that, I was uh, actually a part of Achieve 3000 as their SVP of Corp Dev and Strategy and served in a number of different roles there, kind of uh, being involved in everything from our international team to our uh, support, to our M&A, to our partnerships, lots of different hands and different cookie jars there, which is a lot of fun and helped the business uh, scale and grow where we were acquired by Platinum Equity in November of 2021 and merged with McGraw-Hill and stayed on there until December 31 and then uh, transitioned away. But uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to, you know, really help scale Achieve 3000, grow it, um, pretty much doubled its value in, you know, three, four years of time from where it was before. And so just a powerful um, experience to be involved with, uh, you know, really uh, powerful, like I mentioned, folks, because uh, it's always about people in the end. 
and being able to have really powerful impact uh, in the efficacy of what we were doing. I love it. And you're so right that all these fast growing companies, I've been in the ed tech uh, startup game for almost 20 years. Uh, it always comes down to the people. Um, you know, the, the company is only as good as the people there that are building the products, supporting the products that are, you know, out there on the front lines, listening to customers uh, in ed tech and SaaS models. Um, it is a lot of uh, fun, but it's also dynamic and it can change over time as you, you know, bring on the right people or not the right people. And so um, I guess before we dive into the scheduled topics, that's just making me think, what advice would you have for uh, we obviously have a lot of educators, administrators, but also others from the ed tech community uh, that uh, listen to our show or watch our show. What advice would you have on the people front um, for maintaining most of these startups early on have this great culture starting? And that gets tougher to maintain and evolve um, because it can't be the same with 10 people as it is with 100 and, and more. Um, what advice would you have on the people side? Because uh, you've obviously had a chance to work with a lot of great uh, companies with great people over the years. Yeah, uh, it's so true, right? Like Ben Harwood says, people, products, revenue. So it's always about people at the start. I've had the pleasure of working, you know, at two larger scale ed tech companies most recently, and even before that at Macmillan. And there's been this huge shift in what I've seen to focus on people, respect people, and bring, you know, humans at the center of what we're doing. I'm incredibly impressed actually with Go Guardian's emphasis. The team takes a very strong uh, approach to development of talent, nur you know, nurturing it, respecting people, creating a framework of appreciation and gratitude. And I've enjoyed it tremendously and I've learned from it. I've, I've watched programs be launched in a matter of weeks after feedback was given. So, you know, they, they don't do lip service. They really are creating a community um, that focuses on, on talent development, on people, and just our soft skills, as well as just our emotions. And, uh, you know, yes, this is a business, right? Like we have to hit our milestones. We have to hit our, our metrics and goals to be successful and pay the bills. Uh, but there is an incredible emphasis on this. And the same thing I really found under Stuart Udell's leadership over at Achieve 3000, uh, where there was a huge emphasis and a shift, really, um, as we kind of went through a lot of transitions, even in our own society at large, around how we thought about, you know, our communities, our broader communities, and watch that kind of infuse itself into our organization and then really transform our organization to be thinking as leaders and saying, we have a community here. We need to also focus on diversity and equity and inclusion within our own little mini community. And I, I see that done every day at GoGuardian. I saw that transform our organization and our culture at Achieve 3000. I don't think that's going away. And I think it's it's an amazing thing that's happening now in our companies, especially in ed tech, when you know, we're living and breathing those things like DEI in how we think about, you know, equitable access and creating diverse voice and choice for students and teachers, right? But if our companies aren't doing that ourselves, we're hypocrites. And so to be involved in organizations that are, you know, deeply moving themselves to focus on those things internally, it, it infuses itself into the product and into the content that we do as well. And so, right, we have to practice what we preach. Um, and I think another area you could speak to is, uh, we've been talking to our students for a long time about the importance of becoming 
a continuous learner, a lifelong learner. But as educators and administrators, uh, we often get stuck in our ways and the way we've done it, you know, for the last decade or so. And that has all been thrown out the window during the pandemic, right? Um, we're, we're now uh, kind of this new dawn of the golden age of technology, as I like to call it. We're just scratching the surface. We've made so much progress in the last two years. Um, but give us a sense of uh, how, you know, GoGuardian and, and, you know, your other observations in the market, how we're making that shift as far as the actual uh, mental health focus on the educators and administrators, but also on the um, reimagining of professional development and what it means to be a lifelong learner and a continuous learner as an educator and administrator um, and, and really practicing what we preach uh, with our students. Yeah. So those are, those are, that's a loaded topic of a lot of different kind of areas that you could be approaching from. Um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, you know, a good education company thinks of themselves as really a enabler and supporter of a teacher, right? Ultimately we want to extend the use of a teacher through technology, right? But they're at the core of what we do. And so my guiding principles have always been, how do I save teachers time and how do I improve student outcomes? Right. And if I'm doing both of those things, I know I'm going to be successful because I'm aligned with with the market, with what the needs are. Right. Um, how we get there, you know, what area of needs that we focus on, how we save teachers time, how we improve, what kinds of outcomes we're measuring. You know, that's that's the sausage making. Right. That's the focus of the vision of the product, of the entrepreneurs, of the, of the founders. Right. And so, like, you know, the founding team of GoGuardian, their vision was ultimately all about teaching and learning. But they thought, how can I get there if I don't have a safe environment for students and teachers to be working in, right? We have access to this whole internet now, right? The largest, you know, corpus of knowledge attainable to everybody, democratized in, you know, in the world. But is it safe for students to be in this place today or not? And so, you know, the founding team at GoGuardian, Advite, our, our CEO, and Tyler, our CIO, had this vision of like, well, we first need to make it safe, right? We need to make sure that we're empowering teachers and giving them confidence to know that their students are in a, an appropriate and, and secured environment for learning. Right. And once you create that, then, you know, sky's the limit, right. Then you start adding in all those, you know, curriculum and instructional resources and those learning opportunities. But, you know, to talk a little bit about like the mental health piece, right. And what we've seen over the pandemic, when we've talked a lot about this, there's a lot of conversation around teacher burnout, around student social emotional, and just the whole market growing, um, I think we've, we have a lot of effort going into social emotional for students. I think we have probably less effort going into teacher social emotional, which is, you know, arguably, uh, you know, just, just as important because, you know, the, you can, you can target one teacher and support that one teacher and that might impact a hundred students, right? Giving teachers more capacity, giving them tools to work with around burnout, right? Again, at a certain point, I also think about SEL. Is SEL meant to be a social worker and a, and a therapist? Is SEL like, how do we actually really move the needle for mental health if we are working or not working on the core problems that students or teachers have? And they're different and they're the same. They're the same in that they're both humans, right? We all have emotions, right? Uh, we all have struggles. How we perceive those struggles, at what point of our trajectory of life we're meeting those different struggles and what we're exposed to are all different. But at the end of the day, we're all people, right? And we all benefit from, you know, things like talk therapy um, and whether or not ed techs are effectively going after that core problem or not today is a whole other thing. 
you know, we're, we're starting to chomp at the little tip of the iceberg and how we think about diagnose, explore. Um, but, you know, diving into, I think, the professional learning services for educators, I think supporting teachers is always at the forefront of, of my mind and, you know, all the companies I've worked with, you know, empowering them, training them, giving them confidence. We know teacher confidence has a massive effect size from Hattie's research. And so teacher confidence and teacher um, support is is so critical at this point in time, right? And whether that's giving them the training they need to be empowered to do their work easier and faster and more effectively, or the empathy needed to say like, I hear you, I know this is hard. I know you're being thrown tons of new tech at you. Some of it might go away tomorrow. Some of it will be here forever. And it's, you know, challenging and it's just, it's a wave, right? Um, but I think empathy is a really important part that a lot of companies can take on. And when we interact with educators to say like, I know we're, we're another tool you have to use, but let's, let's explain why this will help. Let's, let's work together to understand where you're coming from and we're coming from and meet in the middle. Well, and also let's hopefully take this time to hit the reset button in some systemic, you know, challenges we've been having for years, if not decades to really kind of start over and, and do it better. Um, I think for so long in education has been very small incremental changes and it is a big system and a big ship to turn, but this pandemic has provided us this unbelievable, unprecedented opportunity that may never come again in you know modern education. And so uh, we really do need to think big and act big right now. And hopefully some of this uh, resetting the professional development things is putting us in a new course for, um, you know, it is going to be more work, right? The pandemic is, is hopefully subsiding, but the hard work is just beginning of implementing all of these things we've learned and continuously improving and evolving and making them better but on a trajectory and this is kind of full circle back to learning loss or unrealized learning um you know how do we get back those those years that we lost and and in my opinion the only solution is to come up with better ways to accelerate learning not just to get caught up but to be better moving forward so these students aren't a lost generation they're a generation that is going to be a huge beneficiary for the rest of their academic career and their lives, really, that they've learned a better way to learn. And they've learned how to tap into, you know, their interests and passions and things. And I think that's what gets me excited every morning is this huge opportunity that we have before. We us. know what works, right? Like we know what we have so much research now. We're creating more and more, you know, corpus of research on student impact, how to move students forward, you know, moving students in their zone of proximal development and targeting and getting more and more laser focused on solving pain points for students and understanding their gaps, right? And knowing what resources have impact to accelerate learning, right? And we're at this amazing point where we've created this shift, whether you know we wanted this shift or not, most of us would say, I wish there was another way to have gotten this market to go one-to-one -one and put devices and broadband internet access and, you know, get folks more comfortable with using technology that that is going to be efficacious and supportive of learners, right? And create more visibility and awareness, right? I wish it wasn't COVID, but, but it was, it is, right? We're living through it still. Um, but that accelerant to get our classrooms, to get our homes, you know, hopefully with like a ubiquitous, uh, access to to the internet and connectivity 
ergo, you know, a democratized information flow is really a unknown for us going forward, right? Like we've never had this much connectivity before in our schools. We've never had this much access to devices. Um, and it's amazing to see what's happening, right? It's not those conversations like you and I had 10 years ago where it was like, oh, well, that school doesn't have internet yet, or or they are not on one-to-one devices. They still have a computer lab they're going to, right? So they they can't have unique logins yet. They don't know how to do it, or the rostering systems don't exist yet. We've we've come a tremendously long way to being able to get really granular and specific and providing, you know, just in time resources for students and getting the diagnostics, you know, very um, tight around them. Now, again, there's still this whole other no, unknown around, like when you think about like a 360 degree of a learner, which is, yeah, but there's everything that happens outside of that classroom, right? And that child, just like at work, we say, bring your whole self to work. Well, children are going to bring their whole self to the classroom, and right? And if that kiddo is coming in hungry or coming in from an environment that's not conducive towards love and, and care, and they're struggling in a, in a challenging environment, like that will come into the classroom. And so, you know, when I think about all that social emotional push that we're doing now, I, you know, I... um. I really want us to be focusing on understanding, like, not just diagnostically, like, hey, this child is unhappy, but what are we doing about it, right? We know that if you're struggling on your, you know, RIT band scores from NWA, we know you could do skill map alignments, and we know we can accelerate you, and we know we can put you into a path of personalized learning journey, and lots of companies are doing this and doing it better and better, but, you know, now that we've understand there's a mental health crisis with our teachers, with our students, what are we going to be doing to solve for that problem? Not just diagnose it, but actually support it. And that's where I think it's going to be a really interesting field of how do we support that as well. And I think something that's often uh, overlooked too is the importance for teacher mental health um, is equally, if not more important than the teachers teaching mental health, because the students are going to see the model of that educator and and follow that even closer than anything the teacher's trying to say or teach. And so uh, we can't fake it anymore, right? It has to be authentic and it has to start from the top down, from the administration pouring into the, the teachers with the support that they need. Absolutely. Supporting our teachers is really, in my mind, one of the, you know, linchpins of our whole education system, right? I mean, it's an obvious thing to say, right? It's, I'm not like uh, being a creative person here or innovator, right? It's, it's, it's a given, like you have to support those foundational components of who we are, what we do, right? And so how are we supporting teachers? How are we, you know, whether that's, how do we save them time? But not just that, right? I think, I think I'm almost evolving my train of thinking to not just how do we save teachers time, but how do we actually just holistically support teachers, right? How do we give them back some of their own mental health right how do we how do we give them the strength to keep going where they're they're so exhausted and they've been tasked with so much additional demand um over the last couple of years more than ever before right we have a huge teacher shortage right and so you know one of those things that again i think you're you're getting around the problem but you're not solving the core problem is like i think about like the growth of tutoring right? High dosage tutoring in our space. It's this huge market that's developed robustly. Listen, we know tutoring has a massive effect size on student outcomes, right? We've known that for years. Only now we're starting to dig into it and say, okay, let's start deploying it at, at enterprise level scale, right? And seeing entrepreneurs drive that. But 
that is um, one way that we can start to lessen the burden and load that are on some teachers by augmenting certain challenges that they have with supporting certain learner profiles in the classroom, right? But really, we have to keep digging further into the problem that teachers are facing today. We have to listen to our educators to say, like, what are your needs? Like, what's not working for you? What? How can we solve those problems as entrepreneurs for teachers, right? We think about the entrepreneurial spirit focused on teaching and learning and outcomes. But we also need to talk to teachers as their own category and say, so how, what what problems are you having and how can we put our entrepreneurial you know skills to work to support that as well? Because ultimately that will translate as well through into the classroom and support all those kids in the classroom. And that leads me to a new theory I have that I'm excited to test out on you. This came up a couple episodes ago where we were talking about the, the teacher exodus, um, which is no different than the rest of the great resignation in many in other industries. And uh, a, a separate episode, we'll talk about why there shouldn't be this stigma. If a lawyer wants to quit and be an accountant, nobody is publicly shaming them, right? Um, but my hope is um, with a lot of teachers moving into ed tech companies, that they're bringing those perspectives to those ed tech companies that uh, on a more of a mass level improving those products, improving those uh, teacher supports from the ed tech community, possibly within a few years or so, they could help build the technology up in a way it enhances the teacher experience and the student learning experience to the point that they may want to go back to the classroom. Wouldn't that be a really cool outcome full, full of circle. teachers full circle. leaving, helping build these tools that obviously there's other change needed in pay raises and uh, and other bureaucratic things and teacher autonomy but this could be an area that within a few years i think we could see the positive impacts on teachers and students to the point that maybe uh teachers would come back and maybe there's more fluidity over time that people will leave for ed tech for a few years and come back to teaching that would be a wonderful world that i'm always optimistic you know me I but mean, you see that in thoughts, is that possible I mean, you see that in the medical community all the time, right? Like how many professors are practitioners of the medicine that they're teaching students in medical school, right? They do both, right? They might do research two days, three days a week. They might see patients two, three days a week and they're enhancing their skills, right? They're refining in both sides. They're refining their learning and their thought processes based on those clinical experiences. And I think teachers are no different, right? Giving them the clinical experience in the classroom, then bringing that back into the research side around the product development cycle. I think it's great. I wish we could think through, and this is, you know, in real time, we're having this dialogue ideation, but if we can create that kind of uh, partnership between the vendors of our communities, the ed techs and the school districts to say, Hey, we're going to be, you know, creating a program that, you know, every few years you, you loop back in, or maybe, we figure out ways where, you know, it's one or two days a week in the classroom, two or three days a week, you know, and the vendor, you know, product dev team or content curriculum, instructional design teams, what have you. But that would create an even tighter bond um, around what's working, what's not working, right? Like we do research today with UX teams to say, hey, do teachers know how to use these tools? Are we placing these things in the right journey of their, you know, you know, academic year? Do they know how to use this effectively and efficiently? You know, 
is this the right approach to take? Research shows yes, but imagine we're just in the classroom doing it. We're seeing it in real time. And yeah, you need to see that at scale. Yeah, you're one data point as a teacher, right? When you're thinking about product development, but the more we get accustomed to that and imagine a whole product team saying, yo, this week I also encountered that problem too when I was in my one day in the classroom, my three days in the classroom. It would be fascinating. I think it would be yeah. a fascinating experiment. And to all the ed tech companies, maybe there's an online on loan program the other way too. You encourage your certain employees to get teacher certified and go into the classroom for two years and then come back, you know, like you would send them to business school. Um, so any ed tech entrepreneurs out there, think up a model of an on loan two way sharing of resources uh, because ed tech's obviously not going away. It's expanded more than ever in the last two or three years and will continue to do so. Uh, but maybe there's not a uh, either or, right? I'm either a teacher in the classroom or I've left and I'm never coming back. Yeah. Um, or I'm an ed tech person that's never been in the classroom like myself and and it's too late for me. Maybe it's not. Maybe we really need to be rethinking. Now I'm, and I'm saying that and, and instantly thinking maybe I need to get in, in the classroom and do some uh, some teaching even uh, later in my uh, career. If, you know, if anything, all those experiences do is it creates a sense of awareness and empathy, right? You know, people always talk about, oh, I have my engineers answer customer support phone calls, right? So they feel those pain points yeah. when they launch a bug, right? And they understand the pain of a customer, right? Well, like, do we understand the pain of a teacher in the classroom truly? And can we without yeah. being in the classroom, right? And it makes a powerful experience when you have former educators that then work in ed tech companies because they have that experience. They have that that lens um, they take with them, right? And they never lose that. They, and you want that, right? You want that that exposure and that experience to blend itself into your product and to teachers to say, I know you think that's what's needed, but like, let me share with you how that played out. Yeah. Well, and, and a public service announcement on even on my own marketing team, I've had great success hiring former educators because I can teach marketing to almost anyone, but I can't teach that experience of being a teacher. And so, again, any ed tech companies listening, hire uh, teachers because uh, it's going to make your company better, your people around you that haven't been in the classroom better. Um, but let's put a pin in this and maybe there is a future where we can have some some two way uh, loaning of uh, people. Uh, maybe it starts in summer school, something like that. We're we're totally getting off topic here. But uh, this is a, a, why I love this show. It's, Episode 100. We're coming up with new ideas. But, you know, it's it's so true, because even when you think about the progress we've made in the last 10, 15 years, how many ed tech companies started with educators 15, 20 years ago versus today, that there are educators that are coming out of programs, whether it's a, I used to be at a Teach for America program or I used to be in the classroom, right? I, I can think of a number of of entrepreneurs, but I also think of a number of employees that I've worked with that, you know, that are now VPs, executives at ed tech companies that you know, used to be a fourth grade classroom teacher for, you know, English or used to be a high school teacher for math. And they went into ed tech and they enhance it. And I think more and more of what's happening, I think, I think, you know, again, I agree with you, there shouldn't be a shaming around career changes, right? I think we struggle when there is that career change because the classroom pipeline of getting new teachers in is a pain point, right? Um, or, or retaining that talent in the classroom is a pain point, but all companies are facing that, you know, talent retention, right? And like we talked about before, great companies are focusing on their great people, right? And they're creating programs that incentivize their employees to stay, right? 
And even through hard, challenging experiences, they still feel a sense of community and belonging and appreciation. And, you know, how can we bring that into educators? You know, how can we help them as well? How can those systems be supported? I love it. Yeah, we got to attract the right talent, train and support it and do whatever it takes to retain it uh, to be successful. Harris, we are out of time, but I, I know it's just uh, a temporary goodbye until we see you on the next episode uh, at the end of this year. Um, as always, uh, we love having you on here uh, to, to share your, your wisdom with our audience. And uh, I always learn something and get excited having you on the show. So uh, thank you so much for your time and joining today. JW, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And again, congrats on 100. Amazing accomplishment. And to our audience, thank you so much for supporting us for 100 episodes. It's really unbelievable to me. So continue uh, interacting with us, uh, emailing me, reaching out on LinkedIn, making uh, suggestions for future guests, commenting, all the things. Um, and we'll keep listening and uh, putting this show out every week um, out of the goodness of our hearts to hopefully uh, make change in uh, the EdTech uh, community and the education system at large. Um, so continue to think big and act big. And as always, always keep learning.